just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. We've already had some interesting things happen this week. Of course, the primaries yesterday had some things happen that we expected, some that we didn't expect. We'll have some interesting things to talk about when we get to that. That'll be a little bit later. But first, we are going to check in on some emails that I got over the last day or so. And this one comes from a woman by the name of Lana. I don't believe she's written before. And this is in response to something I was talking about in a previous show about the possibility of getting a Trump fuck on the show to actually have some kind of debate or discourse. I don't know that that's even possible. You have to get the right person. I put it out there. I put it on TikTok. And guess what? Not one person, not one person has stepped up. And that's pretty much what I expected. They're good at yelling from a distance, but when they have to get in and mix it up with somebody that might be formidable, uh, they don't do that. I mean, Trump fucks are kind of like the people you remember from high school. You know, you might be outside a bar or a party or something like that, and there'll be a guy in a car, usually sitting in the back seat, and he'll yell out the back window as he's racing away in that car, and he'll say, I will kick your ass. And then they take off into the sunset, and of course, he has no intentions of fighting. And that's kind of how Trump fucks are. So anyway, I brought this up, and Lana is responding to that. Because she starts out kind of in a weird spot, and you don't know what she's talking about, unless I just set it up the way I set it up. It says, My massage guy (laughs) and friend might be interested. He's always making digs at me for not being a Trumpster fire. I have wanted to put him in his place for over a year, but I'm a pacifist when it comes to friends. I will ask him when I see him this weekend. Also, I'm starting my own podcast soon, and I have downloaded Anchor, which is what I do my podcast on, I have named my channel, What is the Best Way to Advertise My Podcast to Get Listeners? What is the Best Time Length to Record? I'm an opinionated liberal Gen Xer. Well, that's a good start. I totally love your podcast, by the way. My mother and stepdaughter are Trumpsters as well, but they are not smart enough to listen to the facts. Lana. Okay, first of all, your massage guy slash friend, who's also a Trumper. How the fuck did that happen? How is this guy your friend if he's a Trump humper? I've got guys I've known since grade school, and I just can't talk to them now because they're completely lost in this fucking cult. How do you continue to do that? And not only that, <laughs> he's your masseuse. What? He's your masseuse and your friend, and he's a Trump humper. I got to tell you, if I know what I know about Trump humpers, (laughs) I don't want their hands on my body. Now, I'm kind of half kidding you here, Lana, but it's a weird combination, you got to admit. So you got a massage guy who's your friend, who's a Trump humper, who you want to set up to talk to me on the podcast. Now, Lana, this might sound arrogant to you, but I'm telling you right now, if I get somebody like this on the show, I'm going to absolutely eviscerate them because they are stupid and because they don't know what they're talking about. It's not that I'm such a genius at debate. It's that I'm going up against somebody who's full of shit, who knows nothing, and is probably not very articulate. So I will go out of my way to try to eviscerate him. So, Lonnie, you may want to think about this. you got a guy who's giving you a massage. He's a friend, but he's a Trump humper, and you want to set him up to be on the podcast to end up looking stupid. None of these things seem to really work out together. <laughs> now, if you want to do it and he's willing to come on, goddamn right, I'll talk to him. 
Now, you said you're starting a podcast, and I highly recommend that you do. You got Anchor, and that really is the best choice. Now, I do a little spot for Anchor in the middle part of the show, but I stand by what I say. I, I wouldn't talk about something unless I believed in it. Now, I've had Anchor for not quite two years yet. I've done over 400 podcasts. Believe that or fucking not. Of course, you do one every day. They add up pretty quickly. But uh, I haven't had to pay Anchor one penny. Not one penny. And they've been pretty dependable as far as providing uh, my podcast to folks like you who listen. Now, in terms of advertising it, you have to understand, when I started doing this podcast, I had done podcasts before, way, way back when they first started. Now, nobody really knew about podcasts. They weren't mainstream, so you got some listeners, but it was kind of a weird setup. And then I let it go because I had to do things that would feed my kids and pay for my house. So when I got to the point where I was going to do this podcast, the Rational Boomer podcast, I decided... I need people to know who I am if they're going to listen to the podcast. You can't just post a podcast and hope to God somebody's going to listen to you. They're going to have to know something about you. Um, and you can advertise ways where it costs you money, but I didn't want to do that. I I wasn't going to do this to spend a bunch of money. And usually these little stupid ploys that people are trying to sell you online, they don't work. So my strategy was to get on TikTok. Go on TikTok, build an audience, 1,000, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, whatever it is you can, you can attract on TikTok. That's a quick way to attract people to you and what you're having to say. And then once you build it up big enough, then you send them over. You promote the podcast on your TikToks. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Now, it's going to take a little time to build some audience on TikTok. But you may want to do some lives. You may just want to do a promo for for your podcast and do it that way. You also, if you're on Facebook uh, with Anchor, if you're on my Facebook page, you see every time I do a, a podcast, there's a uh, post that comes up on Facebook. It's very easy to do. You hit a button and then it goes on your Facebook page. You say, here's my latest podcast. Take a listen. Those are probably the best ways to do it. But here's what you need to understand. It takes a while. You've got to be dedicated to do it. You've got to be consistent. And you've got to keep pushing it. Even when it seems like not that many people are listening, you've got to keep doing it. Because the way you will build an audience is over time. You'll have some word of mouth. You'll have some promotion via Facebook or Twitter. You can do what I said on Facebook on Twitter as well or on Instagram. You can do it there. Uh, and do the TikToks. Do anything you can to get some exposure and then point them to the podcast. That really is the best way. But understand that it takes time. Unless you're doing something really crazy or really ingenious, um, it's going to take a while to build an audience. Just be patient, be persistent, and be consistent. If you're going to do it once a week, do it once a week, same day, every every week. Uh, now, as far as how long you should go, <clears throat> I'm not sure. It depends on what you have to talk about. Honestly, when I first started this, I thought, you know, I'm going to do it once a week. I maybe do it 25, 30 minutes max. And then I ended up having more to do within the podcast, and it extended to an hour or 50 minutes to an hour, thereabouts. And then after a while... I got uh, my buddy Ed and some other people involved. So then I started doing more frequent podcasts. And then I got people coming to me and saying, well, when are you going to do the next one? You could do one every day. And I thought to myself, well, that's a lot of work, but I could do it. I mean, I was on the radio every day for more than an hour. I could easily do an hour a day. So I thought, well, what the fuck? I'll try it. My son kept telling me, now you can't do that. It'll be overkill. Nobody will listen to it after a while. But funny thing, what happened was, is I got more and more listeners as time went on, and it's continuing to build. So I'm 
feel like I'm on the right right track, so I'm going to continue to do it the way I do it. Do it most every day. There are some days I will take a day off or I'll fill in something with a listener or with Ed. Uh, but I try to keep it consistent. I try to be there every day. I'm getting uh, information from folks saying, yeah, I do it while I'm working out. I do it while I'm driving in. I do it when I'm doing whatever. So now I feel kind of an obligation. These people are counting on having some podcast there when they're doing whatever they're doing. So now I've got this push. And now it's kind of down to automatic, you know. I sit down at midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's around. Everybody's asleep. And I sit down and do the podcast. This is after spending most of the day looking at the news, reading about the news, listening about the news and trying to gather as much information as I can and then at the same time try to create a perspective, my perspective of what these news stories mean uh, and try to give you a clearer picture of what's going on. So that's the best advice I can give you. Uh, If your massage friend Trump Humper wants to talk, (laughs) have him email me. I would love to talk to him. But I got to be honest with you, Lana. When it's all said and done, if he comes on the show, I don't know that he's going to be your friend anymore. Honest to goodness, I don't think he will. I've had these conversations with Trump umpers and guaranteed they don't like me after the fact. Anyhow, all right, the next email comes from somebody named Cress. I'm not sure if that's female or male. doesn't really make a difference. They say, hello, we moved to Florida in January of this year, not realizing the politics in Florida are more fucked up than our own home state of Illinois. What is your thoughts about Ron DeShitstain's future in politics? My second question is your thoughts on the chunk of shit couple Ginny and Clarence Thomas. Will they be held accountable for breaking the law? Well... The thing with Ron DeSantis, I think people see him as the next candidate for the Republican Party in 2024. And as I said in the previous podcast, it's really too early to decide who's going to be running for the presidency in 2024. None of us really know. We can take some guesses, but things change. Everything fucking changes, so you really can't tell. What I'm kind of thinking about... uh, Ron DeSantis is. I don't think he's going to win the governorship in the election in 2022. I don't think he's going to win. Charlie Chris won the Democratic primary, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. Charlie Chris is a former governor of the state of Florida. Ron DeSantis won the governorship just barely by a couple of percentage points, so he isn't that strong. He's getting a lot more press now that he's kind of going up against Trump and he may be running for the presidency in 2024, but that might hurt him if people think that's what his intention is. Uh, The other thing, I've mentioned this before, and maybe this is just wishful thinking, but uh, we know something's going to come to pass with this issue with uh, Matt Gaetz and this child sex trafficking thing with Joel Greenberg. We know that Matt Gates is going down. He's just fucking going down. That's just the way it is. Just like his buddy Joel Greenberg is going down. He needs to be sentenced, and when he's sentenced, then they're going to come after Matt Gates. But the thing is, whenever they talk about that story, people seem to forget that when they talk about it, they say Matt Gates and other notable political people in Florida may be tied into this shit. And as I've stated before, there are many pictures out there of Joel Greenberg, Matt Gates, the best buddies, the bros. But standing right next to him is Ron DeSantis. Don't be surprised if he's caught up in that bullshit. And if he's caught up in that bullshit, the last thing he's going to be worried about is running for any elected office. He's going to be more worried about trying to stay out of fucking jail. All right, the last one comes from TJ. He says, hi, Mike. Love your TikToks and your podcast. I hope you finally get one of those loser Trump fucks to debate you. (laughs) Have a great day, TJ. Yeah, I would love a chance to talk to somebody. And it would be nice if they were, you know, somewhat coherent and somewhat articulate. I'd love to hear their point of view. And if, if, if they had any common sense and could keep their mouth shut, I'm sure I could 
confuse them, upset them, maybe make them cry. That would be nice to make one cry. And so I hope that happens. But as I said, I put this out there on TikTok. I put it out on the podcast and not one taker, not one. And I got to say, I'm not surprised because uh, they're gutless, they're bullies, and they're cowards, and they aren't going to do jack shit. Anyhow, the big news today, apparently we're going to hear from the White House. The White House is expected to announce a plan to cancel a chunk of student loan debt on Wednesday, today, in addition to an extension of the existing payment pause. Three sources with knowledge of the situation said that. The $10,000 figure would be the largest forgiveness of federal student loans per individual to date. Sources say President Biden's intended measure will include at least 10000 in loan forgiveness for borrowers who make less than $125,000 annually, as well as another payment freeze for about four months. Now, the interesting thing is, when you hear this, when they've been reported it on the, uh, in the media, they're saying, yeah, it's a done deal. It's going to be $10,000. Well, that's not the case. We don't know, and neither do these media outlets. We don't know. In fact, it could be that the uh, uh, the White House is leaking. Yeah, it's going to be $10,000. So when they come out with something bigger than that, it has a bigger splash. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest with you. If Joe Biden comes out and says, we're going to forgive $10,000, I'm going to be extremely disappointed in Joe Biden because that $10,000 forgiveness is nice, but it's really not addressing the problem. The problem is, is we have generations that are saddled with huge debt. Now, people will say, well, I paid mine. They can pay theirs. Okay, I get what you're saying, but as I've said many times before, this isn't about the individual students. This is about predatory practices with the loan givers and um, the colleges and the universities. They're taking advantage of these people and have been for decades. You take a kid who goes to college, a regular average college, and it costs him $50,000 over four years, and he gets out to get a job to get $30,000. That makes no financial sense. And I'll be honest, I think the future of colleges and universities is a little, little sketchy. People are going to realize that it doesn't make any sense to put that kind of money into it with no real return or no legitimate return. If you're going to spend $50,000, you better get a job that pays you at least fifty to hundred grand to make that investment even worthwhile. So what I've said all along, and we'll see if it happens later today, or maybe by the time you hear this, it will have already been announced. My guess, it's going to be somewhere between fifty and $10,000. $10,000 is a given. Joe Biden said when he took office that, yeah, I'll do that. So if you're telling me that over these months, with all that's happened and all that's occurring and a midterm coming up, that the progressives and the left-leaning folks in the Democratic Party were not able to get Joe Biden to move an inch, I find that hard to believe. I find that very hard to believe. I don't expect them to go all the way progressive and go $50,000. I think it would be a good idea if they did, but I don't believe they would do that. I'm guessing it's somewhere between 50 and 10. Now, like I say, if Joe Biden comes out and says it's only $10,000, I'm going to be pissed, and here's why. The whole point of this is not to give these kids a little bump and a little boost The point is to get them out of debt, and it's not for their benefit. People like me, the boomers or the Gen Xers, um, we have a stake in this too. When we have millennials and Gen Zs, the ones pretty much running the country and running the economy or driving the economy, if all of them are in debt and can't afford or qualify to buy a house, buy cars, or have any real discretionary money, guess what happens? The fucking economy goes to shit. 
And if you've got a nice house that you paid on for 30 years and you want to get a big payday so you can go into retirement, guess what? If nobody or very few people can qualify for buying your house, the value of your house goes down. So now as much as as much as you want them to pay their loans as as we did. First of all, when we paid our loans, they were more reasonably priced. They weren't this greedy gouging that we're seeing out of the colleges and and the loan entities. So they're at a disadvantage there. But if you want your life, Mr. Boomer, Mr. Gen Xer or Mrs. Boomer and Mrs. Gen Xer, if you want your life to be better in your old age, You better want this fucking economy running well. And since those millennials and those Gen Xers uh, will be driving this economy, if they're in debt and can't do anything and can't spend any money, your house isn't worth as much, retail business is is not good, if you want to sell cars, that's going to go to shit, and all that goes against our economy. So, we'll see what happens today. Like I say, by the time you hear this, it may have already happened. Let me just say up front, and I could be wrong about this. I'm wrong frequently, as my family will attest to, but they're saying it's going to be $10,000. I don't believe that. I just don't believe the the, the uh, progressive liberals didn't get Biden to move a little bit. And we've got the midterms coming up. If we want the Democrats to take over, you need the millennials and you need the Gen uh, Gen Zers to fucking vote Democrat. That's going to change everything. And honestly, if you just give them $10,000, it's probably going to piss them off because they realized the same thing I realized. It doesn't fix anything. It's nice. Okay, I got a $10,000 gift. But in the scheme of things, I still got a $500 a month loan. It doesn't fix the fucking situation. So these people aren't going to be happy. We've been waiting months and months and months and months and months. And uh, hearing all these things from 50000 to $10,000, if in the end they only get that $10,000, there's going to be some people that are pissed and they have a right to be pissed because this is not a fix to the problem. And if we can't count on our government or our president to fix the fucking problem, then what took so fucking long? What took so fucking long? Now, the last thing about it is it sounds like they're going to extend uh, the uh, delay on the payment. Maybe, well, they're saying here four months, which makes some sense, actually. Um, Nobody's made payments for a long time. You're going to need a little bit of time to acclimate to the situation, get the system up and running again. So you'll need three or four months to get that straightened away. So it wouldn't surprise me if they continued the moratorium for a few more months or four more months or whatever it is. But what we have here for Joe Biden, the Democrats, is an opportunity. You have an opportunity to pull the millennials into the fold, not just for this midterm, for the future. You're going to make the millennials and the Gen Zers more financially healthy. And it's important that you do that for this country and for these midterms. Last thing you want to do is piss fucking people off. I mean, if you're going to piss people off, at least wait till after the midterms, because then you'll suffer fewer problems when it comes to the uh, the votes. And see, that's another reason why I think it's going to be bigger than this 10,000 that the media keeps telling us. If they thought they were going to disappoint the millennials or the Gen Zers, they would delay it till after the midterms. But they're not. They're going to announce it two months before the midterms. So that tells me in their minds they think they have good news. Now it's just a matter of if they understand what good news is, if they think that $10,000 is going to make everybody happy and <laughs> and riding unicorns over rainbows, if that's what they think, well, they're misinformed because it won't go that way. So I'm just thinking it's going to be better than the 10000 As I say, I could be wrong. I'm wrong frequently. 
But if I'm looking at the logic here and what's going on and the fact that they're announcing it before the midterms, I got to think they're going to try to use this to their advantage. And it's hopefully going to get them somewhere with the midterms, with the millennials and the Gen Z. So we'll see. When I do the podcast tomorrow, I'll be able to critique myself on if I had any sense of what really was going on or if I was just completely wrong. You know, that's, 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 that's the sign of maturity, and this is the smartest thing anybody can do. Recognize that at times you can be wrong. Acknowledge that you're wrong, and then adjust after you've been proven wrong. Most people will say, I'm not wrong, I'm not wrong, I didn't say that. I'm Fuck that. Being wrong isn't that bad. Being wrong is just a learning experience. You step back, you say, okay, fuck that up. I'm going to spin off and do it this way instead. So when this information comes off, out, if I'm totally off base, I'm cool with that. Fuck it. Well, then we just have to decide what we do from there. I'm just looking at the logical aspects of this and, and the way it might turn out. Now, if it turns out like I suggest, then I'll be a fucking genius. <laughs> no, I won't be a genius. I'm just using logic here as best I can. Anyway, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. So, dumb Donald Trump doing dumb shit. Former President Donald Trump reportedly released a new document very late Monday night that legal experts believe is incredibly damning. Yes, Donald Trump and his lawyers released something that is damning to them. Conservative journalist John Solomon, who is one of Donald Trump's official representatives for the National Archives and Records Administration, released a May 10th letter on his JustTheNews.com website. Solomon released a letter from NARA to Trump's lawyers. This is how it goes. As you are no doubt aware, NARA had ongoing communications with the former president's representatives through 2021 about what appeared to be missing presidential records, which resulted in the transfer of 15 boxes of records to NARA in January of 2022, the letter read. In its initial review of materials within those boxes, NARA identified items marked as classified national security information up to the level of top secret and including sensitive compartmented information and special access program materials. NARA informed the Department of Justice about that discovery, which prompted the department to ask the president to request the NARA uh, provide the FBI with access to the boxes at issue so that the FBI and others in the intelligent community could examine them. Experts were fucking stunned. Yikes, tweeted Tufts professor Daniel Dresner, Washington Post reporter Olivier Knox said, This is incredible. Attorney Bradley Moss wondered, does John Solomon realize how bad that letter is for Trump? Trump not only had classified records at Mar-a-Lago, not only had TSSCI classified records, he had special access program classified information, Moss explained. Those are our most sensitive records. They are sitting in a goddamn basement. Now, Former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti said the letter also confirms that Trump was on notice that the documents he possessed were federal government property and that he needed to return them to the government's possession. Very uphill battle for Trump's team. Justin Barragana, a correspondent for the Daily Beast, explained the best part of this is that John Solomon posted that letter because he thinks it is extraordinarily damning for the Biden White House, or he's at least trying to preemptively frame it that way for Trump world. (laughs) How how, How do you even get that? Also, John Solomon refers to Trump as the man Joe Biden beat in the 2020 election, Freedom of Information Act expert Jason Leopold wrote. This is quite a damning letter, he concluded. And it is. And they fucking released it. 
But attorney Terry Canefield tried to put herself in the shoes of the man who released the letter, purportedly on Trump's behalf. I'm trying to figure out why John Solomon thought this letter would help Trump, Canefield wrote. I'm stumped. University of Law professor Steve Vladek wrote, The May 10th letter from the NARA is damning to former President Trump on any number of levels, not the least of which is the lack of any reference to a claim by Trump's representatives that he had declassified any of the classified materials that were quite specifically at issue. It's also telling that even though this letter really hurts the Trump version of the events, it wasn't released by the Biden administration or the NARA. It was released by Trump's own team. Both a self-inflicted wound and further proof of how the government has been playing by the rules, Vladek added. Well, now these gentlemen seem to be surprised by this, but as we know here on the Rational Boomer podcast, as I've said many times, just let Donald Trump do what Donald Trump do. (laughs) Let him say what he has to say, because he will always fuck it up. And he fucked this one up in a big way. This might get him the indictment. I mean, this is tantamount to a, a, a confession. And these fucking idiots released it. Now, I know he's got some lawyers that aren't really qualified to deal in this situation. He's got a real estate lawyer, a TV uh, talking head that happens to be a lawyer. So he doesn't have the best lawyers. And in fact, uh, he's having trouble getting good lawyers. But that will happen when you don't pay them. But there's something else to this with these lawyers. He, he needs lawyers that are pretty... Uh, com- not complicit, that are pretty compliant. You know what I mean? Donald Trump's not a good client to have because he's pretty demanding and he thinks he's smarter than anybody else. So a lawyer would see something like this. Any average lawyer would say, yeah, we're not putting that out. That's fucking a little crazy. But you see, in Trump world, Donald Trump thinks he's the smartest man in the world. So what he does is he goes to the lawyers and say, I don't care what you think. You do it my way because I know better. I'm smarter. Do it my way. And that's why things get fucked up. So you have to have a certain kind of lawyer that will assist Donald Trump in this situation. These are lawyers that are just happy to have Donald Trump as a... uh, as a client, and they will do anything he tells them because they think they're going to gain fame or money or whatever the fuck it is being tied to Donald Trump. So Donald Trump tells them to do things that are opposite of their better judgment, and they just do it because they want to be uh, passive with Donald Trump. They want to be his tools, if you will. Now, whether you're hiring a lawyer or a mechanic to fix your car, the best course is to let the experts do what they fucking know how to do. But that's not Donald Trump, because Donald Trump's an expert on everything. And this is where he fucks up. That letter, amongst other things, are going to be a big problem for Donald Trump. Now, prominent conservative attorney George Conway who's the husband of Kellyanne Conway, don't even ask me how that works, described Donald Trump's legal maneuvering as incomprehensible during a Tuesday evening interview on CNN. So here's the question. Did one of Trump's allies actually further implicate the former president of a potential crime? CNN's Laura Coates asked, after all, it was this letter that Trump ally John Solomon disclosed last night that relieved alarming new details about those 15 boxes of materials investigators received in January. Coates asked Conway why Trump's team released the letter. He said, it's incomprehensible to me. Basically that and the motion he filed yesterday are essentially admissions of guilt. And it's inexplicable to me other than you have a deranged client and bad advisors, both legal and political, Conway said. That's the only explanation I have for it. But he is basically what he should be doing with this this document case is what he did in the New York Attorney General case, which is pleading the Fifth Amendment and keeping his mouth shut. Coates noted that reporting that Trump personally went through the boxes concluded 
That is very, very bad. They have a number of people that are witnesses that say Donald Trump went through the boxes personally. Remember when they said they were going to take some fingerprints off these documents? I bet they're looking for Donnie's. I bet they're looking for Donnie's. But the fact that he actually looked at this stuff, I mean, in normal situations, they would say, oh, God, I didn't even know they were there. Somebody else brought them. And I think he's already tried to say that. But now if we know that he went through all the documents, he knew they were there, he knew what they were, and he knew what was on them because he went through them. That is essentially a confession. Um, Conway said, you know, there basically now is no fall guy. You know, that's what Donald Trump would do, make somebody a fall guy because he doesn't want to take the blame. Um, Conway went on to say he can't dump it on Mark Meadows. There's no Alan Weisselberg here. He did this. His fingerprints literally and figuratively are on the documents. And we have not heard a defense, not one defense that's reasonable, that's not some crazy bullshit. We have not heard a single coherent defense. The only one they could possibly um, posit would be that he lacks the literacy skills to understand what was in those boxes. And, you know, frankly, uh, that's possible. That's distinctly possible. He's just too stupid. But I have a hard time figuring that out or figuring that to be the case, too, because we know how he likes to generate money. And there's that one little sketchy thing about this whole thing. He's got a real close tie to Saudi Arabia. We know Saudi Arabia wants a lot of information about nuclear weapons. And then Jared gets $2 billion. And then Paul Manafort gets a billion dollars. Neither of these guys are really qualified to manage that kind of money. But still, somehow they got the money. That seems a little weird, the idea that those billions of dollars might be tied to these documents is a reasonable reasonable thought. I mean, what could else? Donald Trump had these documents. Why? There is no good explanation as to why he had those documents. The Saudi Arabians gave uh, Jared Kushner $2 billion. And why? He doesn't manage money. He's only worked for his mom and dad and his father-in-law. The people in Saudi Arabia said, yeah, don't give Jared Kushner this kind of money. He's, he's not that guy. But the crown prince did it anyway. Why would he do that? It all seems very sketchy to me. And I wouldn't be surprised if we find out there is some tie to this whole thing. And if it goes down that way, as much as Jared Kushner wants to keep out of it, oh, he's in the thick of it. He's going to have a fucking serious problem, as well as Ivanka and some of the other people that helped Donald in this whole process. I've said this before, say it again, Donald Trump's going down. There's almost no question about it with all the evidence that's come out around these top secret documents over and above Georgia and New York and D.C. and all this stuff in the insurrection. He's going to get nailed on all those too. But this one, this one he is not providing any kind of defense for. And he's giving away a confession, literally a confession in that letter and some of the other things he said. And now all the people that are speaking out, the witnesses, these are all Republicans. They're all people that were around Donald Trump. You can't say it's the Democrats doing it. It's the Republicans. And why are they doing it? They see this fuck is going to go over the cliff, and they don't want to go with him. They think their only way out is to throw him under the bus. And frankly, this is how I said it was going to end from the beginning, from the day he took office. At some point, they were going to throw him under the bus. Now, never in my wildest dreams did I think it would take this fucking long. There's no way I thought it would take this long. But when you're dealing with narcissist, a sociopath, a pathological liar, it always ends badly. Now, I will give Donald Trump credit. He kept this going for a long time, longer than most people in his position. But that said, it can't last forever. And we are now starting to see the uh, avalanche of shit that's going to fall on Donald Trump and all the people around him. 
Now, on Tuesday, Rolling Stone reported that former President Donald Trump apparently is privately demanding, demanding that his lawyers help him get back my classified documents back from the Justice Department after they were seized in the FBI search at Mar-a-Lago. You see, that's the problem with Donald Trump. He thinks he is a king. He thinks anybody and any everything around him he owns, that he has ultimate control of. Well, he's in for a, a big disappointment because those documents aren't even close to his. They're owned by the U.S. government. The U.S. government has them, and to suggest he wants them back and to make a motion to get them back is almost fucking laughable. That's not going to happen. Trump wasn't merely referring to the alleged trove of attorney-client material that insist, he insists was scooped up by the feds. Uh, two people familiar with the matter tell Rolling Stone. Um, the ex-president has been demanding that his team find a way to recover all of the official documents that Trump has long referred to as mine, including the highly sensitive and top-secret ones. Now, see, here's where I think it's kind of weird, and again, how Donald Trump fucks up. Okay, you want to take that stupid-ass shot and hope against hope that it's going to work? It's not going to work. But you waited two fucking weeks to do this, you dumb shit. Do you mean to tell me that you think the FBI, once they swoop this stuff up, put it up on a shelf someplace and say, yeah, we'll get to that later? Don't fucking kid yourself. They have gone through this. This is serious stuff. This is about national security. They're working on it the moment they had it, and they're working on it now. So even if you did find some way to pull it away from them and not to look at it anymore, too fucking late. It's already been done. You lose, Donald. Once again, you fucked up. Sources close to Trump agree with outside legal experts that such a sweeping legal maneuver would be a long shot at best. I hate to break it to the former president, but I do not think he's going to get all the top secret documents back, says one Trump advisor. That ship has probably sailed, like I said. Further, several longtime Trump advisors say they want absolutely nothing to do with the now infamous boxes of documents, fearing that any knowledge of them could invite an unwanted knock on the door from the feds who would want any of that back. If it is what they say it is, keep them the hell away, a second advisor says. But who has seen it amongst his little group of merry men and women around him? Or maybe an adversarial country like Russia or, or Saudi Arabia. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot we don't know about this uh, search and about the investigation. I'll guarantee you that they have something that proves Donald Trump did something with these documents. As I've said many times, there is no way he's had these in his basement for 18 months and did nothing with them. There is absolutely no possible possibility that that's the way it went down. He's already used these to some extent. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> His son-in-law already got the two billion bucks. They aren't going to give you two billion bucks unless they got something in return. And apparently what they got in return was worth two billion dollars. Now, according to previous reports, some of the documents are classified at the highest level and may involve nuclear weapon secrets. Another recent report indicated that Trump had over 300 classified documents stashed at Mar-a-Lago and that he personally sorted through all the documents to determine which ones he wanted to hold back from the National Archives, a potential sign he was aware of the risk to national security, but went through it anyway. So the National Archives says we want them back and they go, okay, we'll just give them half of them back and they'll be happy with that. Donald Trump's not smart enough to know that they can go through this and see what's missing. And that's exactly what happened. So then they come back to Donald Trump and they say, look, man, you got some more. We want them back. And he, and he said, no, we don't have any more. In fact, a lawyer wrote a document and another lawyer signed it saying, yep, there's nothing here. And of course, when they went back with the search, they found all kinds of stuff. Now, that lawyer's in trouble. Both those lawyers are in trouble unless Donald Trump told them otherwise. Then it, then they have to throw Donald Trump under the bus. It's a fucking no-win situation. 
The former president's office claimed recently that Trump had issued a so-called standing order to automatically declassify any materials taken from the West Wing in order to facilitate a flexible work schedule for the then-president, said the report. Thus far, no Trump administration veterans have come forward to attest to the existence of, of the legally questionable order. But it has prompted, as Rolling Stone reported last week, FBI agents to begin questioning former members of the Trump National Security Council about whether they have any recollections of such an order. And everything I've heard now, everybody they have talked to says no such declassification happened. And even if it, even if they said it did, there is a process to this. There is some documentation to it. You have to let people know. You just don't magically stand over a box with a fucking wand and say you're declassified. doesn't work that way. And some of these really high-level, top-secret documents, you can't even do it. The president can't do it himself. He's got to do it with the energy department or other departments in order to get it done. So Donald Trump did no such thing. The people around him are saying he's done no such thing. And frankly, Mr. Trump may have finally fucked himself to a position where he can't get out of. So this thing is going to progress, and we're going to see some stuff going down with that. Now, it was uh, primary night last night. Uh, some people excited about it. Some things happened that we expected. Some things uh, that we didn't expect happened. And one of those things uh, might even be a bellwether for the upcoming midterms. It happened in New York. Democrat Pat Ryan has won a closely watched special election in upstate New York. It's not a primary. It's a special election. A promising sign for the Democratic Party looking to try to cling to power in Washington in November. With over 95% of the expected vote counted at the time I'm reading this, Ryan beat Republican Mark Molinero in a swing district that President Joe Biden won by fewer than two points. The election is seen as the best and last temperature check for the national political mood with voters ahead of November when Democrats will be defending narrow majorities in the House and the Senate. What they're basically saying here is, in a midterm, after a Democrat wins the presidency, the Republicans usually um, clean up. In this particular county where Molinero is, uh, uh, where he just lost to Pat Ryan, Biden did win in 2020 by two points. But when he only won by that much, it would normally end up being a big win for the Republicans in a highly Republican county. So the fact that Pat Ryan won this special election, now understand this special election is an actual election for a position, for a job, for a representative's job. It's not a primary waiting for the midterms. Uh, Pat Ryan will go in and be filling in a spot that was... um, was abandoned or somebody resigned. I don't even know what happened. It doesn't matter. Uh, It's a small area in New York. But apparently the fact that the Democrats won is a huge fucking surprise to everybody. And as they say, kind of a bellwether as to what is to come. And it kind of ties in what I've said before, that the tide seems to be shifting toward the left and away from the Republicans approaching a midterms, which should have been a gimme for the Republicans. What we're seeing now, it's not a gimme. They're having all kinds of fucking trouble, especially in the Senate. But talking about all kinds of trouble, let's talk about Republican Representative Matt Gates. Now, on Tuesday, he won his primary race in Florida's first congressional district, Gates, endorsed by former President Donald Trump, fended off challenges from former FedEx executive Mike Lombardo and pilot Greg Merck to advance to the November general election, where he's expected to trounce the Democratic nominee in his heavily Republican district. (laughs) Unless he's in jail. Now, see, this is interesting. We know who Matt Gates is, and he won this primary very easily. That tells you a little bit of something about his constituents. They aren't the finest fucking people in the world, and apparently they're all for child sex trafficking. 
Matt Gates will go down either prior to the midterm elections or shortly thereafter. But even if Matt Gates does win his position back, I guarantee you he's not going to finish the term. He's not going to finish the term. To my knowledge, if he wins this fall, Gates would become the first U.S. lawmaker in history to secure re-election while known to be under federal investigation for sex trafficking of a minor. Gates, of course, has denied this. It's a momentous occasion for Gates personally and for the Florida GOP. Few could ever imagine having to suffer such a deplorable, misogynistic figure for more than five minutes. But Florida Republicans have gone leaps and bounds further, holding Gates up as their representative for at least one more term, which is two years. It's a true feat of collective disregard for dignity and ethics. Gates is in a Republican-friendly district, of course, that voted for Donald Trump by a wide margin in 2020. And recently, the Florida representative has succeeded in connecting his personal vendetta against the federal investigators to the conservative movement's Trump-inspired attacks on law enforcement. As I say, Gates may be excited now, but that child sex trafficking is going to bite him in the ass. No pun intended. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, he may win the election because you just got a a bunch of stupid people in Florida that think he's the greatest guy in the world. But he won't finish out his term if he even gets elected because what's going to go down with Matt Gaetz could happen prior to the general election. We'll see. Now, Gaetz has publicly vowed retribution against federal law enforcement. In other words, the people investigating him. Last December, during a podcast interview with former Trump advisor Steve Bannon, who was also going to jail, Gates pleaded for voters to give Republicans a majority in the House and for himself to be made the House Speaker. Jesus, every one of these dumb fucks wants to be Speaker. Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to be Speaker of the House. (laughs) That, that, that stupid bitch can't even be the speaker in her own house, let alone the speaker of the House of Representatives. She has trouble with the English language. Gates said, I just need a gavel, adding that the Justice Department officials' sphincters will tighten. <laughs> if he's allowed to investigate them as leader on the powerful House Judiciary Committee. Now, he's on the Judiciary Committee, but he's being investigated for child sex trafficking. How does that fucking even happen? It's a perfect encapsulation of the Matt Gates experience and what voters can expect if he's reelected. Crassness and utter disregard for the democratic process. Now, in another primary down in Florida, U.S. Representative Charlie Crist won the Democratic nomination for governor in Florida on Tuesday, setting up Uh, his challenge against Governor Ron DeSantis this fall in a campaign that the Republican incumbent sees as the first step toward a potential White House run. In selecting Chris, Florida Democrats sided with a candidate backed by many of the party's establishment who viewed him as the safest choice even after he lost his previous two statewide elections. He's a 66-year-old moderate who served as Florida's Republican governor. He was a Republican but now a Democrat. But that was 10 years ago. He hopes to appeal to the voters of Florida's teeming suburbs as Democrats seek to reverse a long-losing pattern in a state that was recently seen as a perennial political battleground. Above all, the Democratic contest centered on uh, DeSantis, who views his November re-election as a potential springboard. Uh, Given the stakes Democrats across Florida and beyond expect expressed a real sense of urgency to blunt DeSantis's momentum. Now, Christ won the Democratic nomination over Nikki Freed, the state agricultural commissioner. She staked out a more progressive campaign and was particularly vocal in defending abortion and LGBTQ rights. The 44-year-old cast herself as something new and hoped to become Florida's first female governor. Not to be. In a sign of the party's meager standing in Florida, she currently 
is currently the only Democrat holding statewide office. Now, we're going to make Ron DeSantis a one-term governor and a zero-term president of the United States, Nikki Freed said, as she conceded on Tuesday, calling on her supporters to come together to support Christ. Not far away in a raucous ballroom in Miami, DeSantis declined to say Chris's name and instead cast the general election as a contest against President Joe Biden and woke ideology. He said, we will never, ever surrender to the woke agenda, DeSantis charged. Florida is a state where woke goes to die. <laughs> he's, such a, he, he's such an orator, isn't he? Oh, he's good. He's real good. The Republican governor won his first election by less than a half a percentage point, but soon became one of the most prominent figures in GOP politics. His hands-off approach to the pandemic and eagerness to learn into uh, divides over the race, gender, and LGBTQ rights have resonated with many Republican voters who see DeSantis as a natural heir to former President Donald Trump. The Florida contest concludes the busiest stretch of primaries this year, which featured contest in 18 states over just 22 days. And in that span, Republicans from Arizona to Alaska have supported contenders who embraced Trump's lies that the 2020 election was stolen. So this is good news, though. I know everybody gets freaked out. Well, all the people that Donald Trump picked, they're winning the primaries. Good. Because they're the fucking crazy ones. I would much rather have the Democrats going against the crazy ones than legitimate candidate. It's going to make it easier and give the Democrats a better chance. Now, also in the primary, U.S. Representative Jerry Nadler, who twice led fights to impeach the former president, Donald Trump, defeated U.S. Representative Carolyn Maloney in a Democratic primary Tuesday after a court forced the two veteran lawmakers into the same New York City congressional district. Nadler's victory ends a 30-year run in Congress for Maloney, who battled to get government aid for people sickened by clouds of toxic soot after the September 11th attacks. So what happened is both these representatives had their own districts and through the changing through the changing of uh, the districts, uh, they combined the two, and now there could only be one representative. So two long-term representatives had to go head-to-head, and Carolyn Maloney lost, and Jerry Nadler won. The unusual fight between incumbents who have spent decades working together as the result of redistricting process that lumped Nadler's home base on the west side of the Manhattan area together with Maloney's on the east side with neither willing to run in another part of the city. In his victory speech, Nadler said that he and Maloney have spent much of our adult lives working together to better both New York and our nation. I speak for everyone in this room tonight when I thank her for her decades of service. Now, Nadler also defeated Suraj Patel, a 38-year-old lawyer and lecturer at the New York University who has now failed to advance out of Democratic congressional primaries in three straight tries. Nadler, 75, was first elected to Congress in 1992 as chair of the House Judiciary Committee. He led both impeachments of Trump. Nadler was buoyed in the last weeks of the campaign by endorsements from the New York Times and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. He pledged he would go back to Congress with a mandate to fight for the causes so many of us know to be right, including abortion access and climate change. Maloney, 76, also first elected in 1992, is the first woman to chair the House Oversight and Reform Committee. She is known for her longtime advocacy of September 11th first responders seeking compensation for uh, For firefighters, she wore a firefighter's jacket on Capitol Hill. And at the 2019 Met Gala, Maloney said women in politics still face misogyny today, whether she said she experienced herself in her campaign this year. I'm really saddened that we no longer have a woman representing Manhattan in Congress, Maloney added. It has been a great, great honor and a joy and a privilege to work for you. Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest. 
Jerry Nadler is 75. Maloney is 76. Why don't you motherfucking retire? You're too old. I honestly suggest that anybody over 70 should be forced to retire. Now, I'm only 62, but I'm not that far from 70. But the way the country's going and who's going to be in control, people like me and Jerry Nadler and Maloney and all these other old fucks really should not be making decisions for millennials who will have to live with whatever they do for the next 40 years. I think the millennials and the Gen Z should have an opportunity to speak for themselves, make their own choices, set up the future of this country to better reflect what they need and what they want. As long as we have these old fucks in there, uh, it's going to be delayed and it's going to make it tougher for the millennials when they finally do take over. Now, former President Donald Trump and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell have again, again, publicly split, this time over the GOP's chances of retaking Congress in November, given what McConnell suggested were candidate quality problems in some races this cycle. Trump responded to the remark by criticizing McConnell and McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow, who uh, used to serve in Trump's cabinet. She was the transportation director. She's Mitch McConnell's wife. She's also uh, a member of a family that's incredibly wealthy in China. And the fact that she's married to Mitch McConnell and was the transportation secretary, a little sketchy, a lot sketchy. Now, the spat began began late last week when McConnell tempered expectations for Republicans ahead of November's midterms, predicting the Senate would be more challenging to capture than the House. In Senate campaigns, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome, McConnell told a Chamber of Commerce audience in Kentucky. He also cited intense polarization as another mitigation factor. I think there's probably a greater likelihood that the House flips than the Senate right now. We have a 50-50 Senate and a 50-50 country. But I think when all is said and done this fall, we're likely to have an extremely close Senate, McConnell said. Either our side up slightly or their side up slightly. Yeah, yeah. That's hopeful thinking, isn't it? The Democrats are going to win the Senate without question. The House may be more of a question, but I still cannot see how they would lose the House. Trump bristled at that view of the GOP bench writing over the weekend on his Truth Social platform. Why do Republican senators allow a broken down hack politician Mitch McConnell to openly disparage hardworking Republican candidates for the United States Senate? Trump's message also included an insult remark about Chow, his wife, who was Trump's Secretary of Transportation until she resigned after January 6th. Now, she resigned on January 6th because she was appalled about what happened on January 6th. That candidate quality would be contributive or even decisive in the Senate field, is consistent with McConnell's past criticisms of Trump-supported Senate contenders, many of whom are on the ballot this year for the first time in their lives. In Alabama in 2017, McConnell refused to support Trump-backed Roy Moore, the Republican nominee for a special Senate election there, more narrowly lost to Democrat Doug Jones. Among the Trump-boosted hopefuls this year are Dr. Oz of Pennsylvania, Herschel Walker of Georgia, and uh, J.D. Vance in Pennsylvania. Just one flip seat would suffice for either party to have control of the Senate, which currently stands at a 50-50 draw with Vice President Kamala Harris as the tiebreaker. Now, if you may remember that name, Roy Moore, he's got a lot in common with Matt Gates because apparently he's had some problems in the past with underage girls, and that is largely why he lost his election, because he's a piece of shit. Walker, who McConnell endorsed after initial reluctance, deflected this week when questioned about McConnell's comments. I don't ever worry about stuff like that, Walker said, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
When I got in this race, I got in this race to win it for the people. I said, guys, I'm here for the people of Georgia. I'm not worried about what people say, (laughs) unless it happens to be those people in fucking Georgia. McConnell and Trump's back and forth shows there's been little change since their break over the 2020 election, when Trump, according to McConnell, provoked a mob assault on the Capitol uh, while Congress had gathered to certify the Electoral College. Walker, whom McConnell endorsed, was initially reluctant. And, you know, the thing about it is Herschel Walker, I call him an imbecile. And and I almost feel like I'm making um, fun of somebody who's mentally challenged, just the things he says. He was bitching about the climate section of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Says they're putting money in the trees. I think we have enough fucking trees. (laughs) Way to go, Herschel. You are a sharp one. There is no question about that. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it's the thing. I I guess I'm most disappointed about is that um, So many dumb people have been exposed, and they are in positions of power, and they are a voting block, and uh, we're talking immaturity levels that are unbelievable. We're talking intellectual levels that are so low, it's almost embarrassing. If I were a Republican, I would be embarrassed. So anyway, we got the primaries under our belt. We've got a midterm coming up. And we got the shit show that is called Donald Trump. And the rest of this week, we're likely to see some more shit. So hang on. We're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. Hope you have a great day and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.